This morning, uh, brothers and sisters, we are continuing our series on cultivating courage. We are continuing our series on cultivating courage. I think we're on part five of, I don't know how many parts we're going to do. Eight, actually. We're going to do eight, right? We're on part five of eight. We are talking today about cultivating courage through prayer, right? We, we've talked about cultivating courage by remembering the things that God has done. Remember the Ebenezer stone and what are your Ebenezers, right? What are the things that you can remind yourself of that God has done for you? We, we, we reminded ourselves uh, that we can, we can cultivate courage by remembering that we, not, we are not alone in these things. We are not alone in... Um, in in all of the tasks and trials that we have to face in this world, that God is with us and that ultimately the victory is God's. We reminded ourselves of what else? Anybody? Anything else you can remember about cultivating courage? Not everybody all at once. I know it's been a few weeks. It's okay. It's okay. Right? We remembered, uh, let me see, I don't know if I can even remember. Not alone, rest. Yes, we started off with a Sabbath way of life, right? Resting in God. That we can't, we can't do everything that we are called to do on an empty, uh, a tank that's empty. We need to take care of ourselves and do so in the Lord, living in a, a way um, a way that rests in him. We talked about not being alone, practicing the presence of God each and every day and each and every moment as well. Yeah, good. Today we're going to talk about prayer. And so we wanted to look at a couple of different passages, short passages. Uh, We're going to look first at Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 to 15. And this should be pretty familiar. Um, It's also uh, familiar because we just said some of it a few minutes ago. So this is Jesus. Jesus is asked by his disciples. He's asked um, how they should pray. And and it's uh, it's interesting because um, because John's disciples were taught how to pray and Jesus disciples kind of said, well, you know, we'd like to learn how to pray, too. Uh, So what do we do when we pray? Right. And so Jesus tells them these things, a whole bunch of things. But then he continues on. He says, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Right. In other words, they, they, tr- they treat their piety, their supposed piety, as a status symbol, right? Like, oh, look at how holy I am praying right here, right? Um, as if somehow that earns them honor, right? Instead, Jesus says, truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Now, now, we have to remember always, of course, that the Bible is to be interpreted uh, by the Bible, right? Context is really important. So it's not like the Bible is unanimous that all the time, every single time you pray, you must go into your room, close the door, and pray to God by yourself. It is okay and good 
for us to pray together as the community of believers. That is amply testified to in numerous places. It is also not true that we can never pray in public. Uh, There are lots of examples scripturally of doing that in a way that does honor God. The point that Jesus is making is don't do it for your own glorification. Don't do it to make yourself feel grand or whatever, right? Um, Instead, then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans for they think they will be heard because of their many words. This is... This is a struggle, I think, uh, for a lot of us, right? We, we, have, I, I, <laughs> we have, like, Christianese that, that we pray, right? Uh, we, we pray with lots of oh lords and, like, over and over agains and lots of fancy words that if you're not a Christian, you don't even know what they mean. And you, you just, <sighs> there's stuff that we do, Right? Um, and, and Jesus is kind of going with the keep it simple uh, principle, right? Keep it simple. And you can fill in the rest of that, right? Um, don't babble with all kinds of words. It doesn't need to be fancy. This is one of the reasons that I love, and I've mentioned to you lots of times, the example of Tevye in, um, the, in the Fiddler on the Roof, Right? Because the way he talks to God is not with all kinds of fancy words. He just talks to God. He just says, oh, dear Lord, I know it's no great shame to be poor, but it's no great honor either. Right? Right? Like, it's just simple. It's straightforward. It's honest. It's, and, and he's not afraid to talk about the tough stuff either. Right? God's got big enough shoulders. He can handle it if we're mad at him or upset at him. Right? He can handle it if we're struggling. He can handle it if we're doubting. Right? We have huge examples of that in the Scripture, and we'll talk about that a little bit more later on. Jesus continues, Do not be like them, that is, the people babbling with lots and lots of words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This, then, is how you should pray, Jesus says. Our Father in heaven, and, and just a reminder, right? It's, <laughs> translation is a difficult thing, right? Do you remember the example of Batman and Dutch? Okay, some of you do, but some of you maybe don't remember, right? What is a bat, it, like a flying bat in Dutch? It's a mouse, which is a flying mouse. And so if you translate... Uh, Batman into Dutch, it's Fledermausman, which is Flying Mouse Man, which is not nearly as intimidating as Batman. Right? Translation is difficult, right? Our Father in Heaven, uh, the original is more like our daddy, our, our, our dad. Our, it's, it's closer and more intimate and more for, less formal, right? It's, it's like my daughter does not come up to me and say, my father, who art in the kitchen. <laughs> right? <laughs> she, you should do that now. <laughs> From now on. Um, right? So it is, it is far more intimate, far closer. It is our, our dad. Our dad in heaven. Right? Um, hallowed be your name. That's just 
holy be your name. May your name, uh, not just holy be your name, but may your name be declared to be holy amongst all the people, right? So that everybody, everybody testifies to how holy and awesome is God. That's what that saying is that the, the pray, the praying person is, is asking God that he would inspire appropriate and proper praise and worship for God's self uh, throughout the earth and among all people, right? And then your kingdom come, your will be done at, on earth as it is in heaven, right? That, that, that God's kingdom in heaven would extend, would break into this world, that it would expand in this world, that it would take over this world so that God's will is done in every corner of every nation from one end of the planet to the other. And then it goes from something that big, that huge, may your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, to something so simple. Give us today our daily bread. Please, please provide for us the very simple things that we need today, God. Please give us food. Please give us grains. And forgive us our debts. Now, this is interesting. Debts, uh, that word there is translated different ways in different traditions. Um, You've heard it, of course. Some people say, forgive us our trespasses. You do, eh? You like that better? Uh, It's interesting because, uh, and, and I don't remember this, but you can try and Google it and find out about it. Somebody did a study once about which types of groups of people chose which word, right? Um, so it, it tended to be, I think if I got it correctly, forgive me if I got it wrong, but it, it, it tended to be that those who were landowners, those who were, um, like either royalty in, in the United Kingdom or whatever, they tended to interpret that as trespasses because of course they had, they had rights of all kinds of like on, on the land, right? They had the hunting rights and so on and so forth. And and so trespassing and stealing the Lord's uh, deer for your meal was one of the really bad things to do. And so you, you want to be forgiven your trespasses as we forgive others, their trespasses, right? Um, Debts on the other hand, tended to be more on the other side right on, on the folks among the folks who tended to be lower class where where they they tended to have to sometimes accumulate debts debts to their lords debts to their neighbors debts and so on and so they framed it in terms of debts right um, others today will use sins feeling like it is something that is uh, somewhat more relatable and understandable for people today although i'm not sure that that's necessarily true because uh, sometimes people don't really know what sin is, and, and, and so that's tough. So, but regardless, that is getting at the, the concept of forgiving, God forgiving us as we forgive others. Now, we have to remember that this is not, uh, this is not, this is not conditional in the same way that we might think it is, okay? It, it's, it's not that if if we don't forgive others, then God won't forgive us quite. It is more like if we have accepted and received the love of God and we truly 
understand on some level that what that means, then we will be forgiving others because we have been forgiven by God. Right? We don't believe in a salvation that you earn, right? You don't earn your way into heaven. So it's not like God saying, hey, if you don't forgive others, I won't forgive you. No, it's more like if you don't forgive others, then you clearly don't understand the gospel and you haven't really accepted what I have offered to you. Because if you really did understand the good news and you really accepted my forgiveness, my offer of forgiveness, then you would be forgiving others. It's like the, in the parable of the, 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 the rich person that, or the person who owed the king a, a debt, right? Jesus tells this parable about how somebody comes to the king and has this massive, massive debt that he owes to the king. And, and he pleads, he begs for mercy. And the king says, okay, okay, I will not throw you in jail for the rest of your life until you've paid it off, whatever. I will forgive you. And then that same man who has just forgiven that goes out and accosts the person who owes him just a tiny little bit of money. Just a little bit of money and says, that's it, you're going to jail until you pay me off. The man who is forgiven by the king clearly did not really understand or accept or appreciate what, God had, what the king had done for him. And so he didn't forgive others, which indicated the problem, right? So it's, it's that way, right? Um, and then <clears throat> Jesus continues by saying, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive you uh, your sins. Just like in that parable, the king um, the, the person who did not forgive the poor person who only owed a little bit of money, the king calls that person back in and says, well, that's it then, I guess. You're in jail for the rest of your life until you pay me back. And, uh, yeah. I mean, if we really insist on not accepting God's forgiveness there, then we can have that. Now, it's interesting. You'll notice <clears throat> that we did not have in there... For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Uh, Amen. That's, I don't mean this to be upsetting at all. It's good to pray that part. As far as scholars can tell, it wasn't there in the original. It's just not there. Um, So it's good. There's nothing wrong with praying that part. It's just not what Jesus taught the disciples. So that's why we didn't mention it here. Okay. So, moving on to our second passage, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 17. Uh, this is, I know, I know technically the shortest verse in the Bible is Jesus wept, but this is pretty close. Paul says, in a list, there's other stuff as well, but Paul says, pray continually. That's it. That's the whole verse. All right? See, the reality is, is that some of the things that we talked about, in, in fact, I think all of the things that we talked about so far in terms of cultivating courage, it, it comes to a head in some ways in prayer. We are able to, to live out courage and cultivate courage within us through prayer. 
This is why Jesus teaches his disciples to pray about the huge stuff and to pray about the tiny stuff. To pray not for your own glory, but to pray honestly and vulnerably for what you need. To pray to learn how to live into the truth of the gospel, forgiveness and love. And and this is why Paul says, Paul who had to exercise an awful lot of courage, Paul says, pray continually. He knew that the people of Thessalonica were going to need to exercise courage. And he knew that they already had had to exercise courage as well. And so he encourages them with this statement. So how do you pray? How do you cultivate courage through prayer? We're going to talk about seven different ways to pray. I know normally we we have a pretty limited set and you don't these are not these are not rules that you have to do. These are some suggestions of ways that you can pray and chances are really good that you already do a good chunk of these. But if there are some new things in here, um, first of all, trust me, they're not actually new. They've been around for, you know, almost as long as the church. Um, And second of all, try them out. Maybe they will be helpful for you in cultivating courage to live the life that God is calling you to live. So one that's very simple and probably something that all of us do uh, is praying with the Bible, right? We, we, we often do family devotions and so on. We will pray with the Bible. We'll read through a passage. We will uh, pray about that passage and what God might be teaching us in that passage. Um, and we will take that with us. You can also, you can also, but you have to be a little bit careful of this. You, you can put yourself in the place of the authors or, or whatever, right? Like, um, you know, from... From John chapter 14, verse 7, Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I leave with you. And, and you could put yourself in there. You could say, uh, Gwyneth, my peace I leave with you. Right? That God says to you particularly that God is leaving God's peace with you. Obviously, don't place yourself in places that... Uh, it's not appropriate to like like Gideon and his fleece, right? We often talk about putting out our fleece to get uh, sort of answers from God, like what do you want, God? <laughs> but we forget that that Gideon Gideon was he was trying to work towards courage, which is good, but he was terrified of what God was asking him to do, and God really actually kind of gets exasperated with him for how long it takes him to get up the gumption to do what God asks him to do. And so Gideon, Gideon puts out the fleece one way, and then he puts out the fleece another way, and then he asks for this sign, and that sign, and the other sign, and he's just not sure, and he's, he's doing things in the dark when nobody can see him, and then, uh, you know, so on, right? So, right, don't pretend or be careful with your stuff, right? Like say, uh, Daniel, you know, put out your fleece, see what God says. Eh, It's not necessarily the best way to find out God's will for us. But praying with the Bible is a good way to do. 
praying through the Bible, which is a little bit different. We practiced Lectio Divina uh, just a few weeks ago where we, we, we silently listened and contemplated the Word of God as it was read to us quietly three or four times in a row. And we just listened to see what, what might pop out at us. And if, if something popped out at us, a word or a phrase... Then, then maybe that was something that God wanted us to explore a little bit or chew on. That's Lectio Divina, and it's been practiced for hundreds and hundreds of years in the Christian church. There is also a time to simply pray by listening. Right? We, we tend to, our prayers tend to be full of a lot of words. Uh, and, and sometimes that's fine. But prayer is also sitting down in a quiet place, comfortable place, throwing away all the junk that's bothering your mind and just listen. You can do that. You've you got to find a setting that's good for you. It, and if you're going to do it for the first time, I would recommend trying to set aside like at least a half an hour where you don't have anything that's going to bother you. Because it's going to take you a while to get your mind somewhat clear. I like to do it, if I can, uh, by a river or the water uh, where there's breeze blowing through the trees and stuff. That works for me, right? Uh, Whatever works for you. And and those things that are in your mind, what I would do, and you can do this literally or you can do this metaphorically in your mind, symbolically or whatever, is um, some people will take a pad of paper and every time there's a thought, they'll write that thought down and then they'll crump it up, chuck it in the corner. (laughs) Right? Just get rid of it. Um, Or if if it works for you, you can try to do that mentally. Oh, I got to wash the dishes. Crumple, crumple. Right? Oh, I forgot to pay the taxes. Crumple, 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 right? That's why it's going to take you like half an hour to get to the place where you can actually be quiet because our minds are so busy. And then just listen, right? Remember little Samuel, right? Uh, you know, he hears God speaking, right? And, and he comes and he, he says, you know, uh, what's going on? And he's told to go back and listen and he listens and um, and God speaks to him in the quiet, in the stillness of the night, right? Another way, another way to listen uh, and to pray, another way to pray is to pray through some of the lament of the Bible. We, we, we go through tough times. We go through tough times, and sometimes, somehow, we learn the idea that, that A, we shouldn't bother other people with our problems, but then also we somehow learn the idea that it's, that it's maybe somehow bad to come to God with our problems. Like, oh, I don't want to sin by being angry with God, or, or I, I, like, I sh- people have so many bigger problems, I shouldn't be praying to God about this. Right? Or, or I don't know what. But that's not the way the Bible teaches us. The Psalms, for example, are full of songs of lament, of crying out to God, saying, Why, God? 
Why do you let this happen? Why? How long are you going to let this happen? Why do I have to deal with this? Why don't you make things right? And, and yet, those, those are in the Bible. And those are in the Bible because we go through those difficult times. And, and yes, they always draw us to a place of praise and trust. Where we, we say, in, essentially in the end, we say, I don't get it. I don't necessarily like it. But I know that you are God and that you somehow are going to do what's right with this. And so I trust you. Right? Praying through the lament of the Bible in scriptures can be a powerful tool for encouraging us, giving us courage when things are going badly for us. Number six, praying imaginatively. And this one might be a bit of a stretch. A bit of a stretch. But it's a bit, like I said, it's been around for a long, long time and it's okay. It's good, right? Praying imaginatively means basically putting yourself in the biblical story. Imagining the place. Uh, some people do it in, in the form of like, uh, like almost like a movie in their heads, right? Where, where, you know, they imagine the dust blowing across the the street and the and the the Pharisees walking around arguing about this that or the other thing and the and the 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 people hawking their wares in the market square and, and all that noise going on and and Jesus walking with his disciples nearby and and I'm John and I'm I'm listening to what Jesus has to say and you put yourself in your imagination in the scriptural story. And, and you'll be amazed how sometimes God pulls out really cool things for you there. Right? Things you never thought of. Right? Things you'd never thought of. Like, can you imagine praying through uh, the story of... Um, the transfiguration, uh, you know, the mountain of transfiguration, Peter's there and, and so on. And, and imagine like praying through that as Peter, right? What, what was Peter's perspective? Or as Moses, what does Moses think of Peter, <laughs> right? Or what does Elijah think of Peter? Praying with your imagination. I know it feels kind of artsy and weird, but it's good. It's a good way to pray through Scripture. Last but not least is a, um, an ancient uh, type of prayer called the examine. Uh, the examine is uh, a wonderful uh, type of prayer, and it is based, yeah, it's, you can maybe sort of figure out uh, that it's like, same root word as examination or examining and that kind of thing. And, and it is rooted in sort of a, a self-examination, right? 
you, you start off, and, and this was um, Ignatius who, uh, who founded the Jesuit order of priests, which was founded a long time ago. Uh, Ignatius, he started off with giving thanks. Always, always started off with giving thanks. Figuring out, saying the things that you are grateful for. It doesn't need to be a comprehensive list. If it was a comprehensive list, we would never ever get done. And that's okay. Uh, but this is a prayer of exam. And you, you pray giving thanks. And then you move on after a little while. You ask. You ask of God what God would like to reveal to you. What God would like to say to you, And you spend a little bit of time asking yourself, what's going on in me, poking around? What do you want to say to me, God? What are, what are some things that I need to be aware of, poking around mentally, you know, some quiet time? And then you review those things. You look over those things. Why is, that, why is God bringing this up? Why is God bringing up the, the time where I drove Lydia out to her friend's place? Why is that coming up? Oh, you know, maybe, oh, maybe I said something that wasn't all that kind. Oh, okay. And then you repent of those things. Repent of those things that God is calling you to repent of in your examine. And then last, but certainly not least in the examine, you pray for renewal. You commit yourself to renewal and you ask for the Spirit's help in your renewal. You, you don't just say, oh, I'm sorry about that. You, you say, what am I going to do about it? I'm going to do something about it. And God, please help me with that. And, 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 and moving on so that you turn from what you had done to something far better. So these are, these are seven ways that you can practice, um, practice that. There's also, I've talked with you about this before, there's breath prayers, right? Remember breath prayers, you pray a prayer every time you breathe, which is hopefully pretty often. You pray um, just with uh, your breath in, you pray one part of the phrase or sentence or scripture, and with the breath out, you pray the other part. Lord Jesus, have mercy on me. And you just do it over and over and over again. And if you forget, it's fine, it's fine. You just start over again when you remember. And doing that, you practice being in the presence of God all by yourself. And doing that, you remind yourself that God is not only with you, but God is part of everything around you and is helping you and has a plan for you and has something going on for you. And it's good. cultivating courage, brothers and sisters. The reality is that we have no more powerful ally in this world than God. God is, by definition, the most powerful ally one could have. If God is for you, the scriptures say, who could possibly be against you? And so to cultivate our relationship with God through prayer is to cultivate a relationship with someone who can and does help us in every way, in every moment, in every day. Let's pray.
God, our dad in heaven. Help us. Help us to live lives of courage, but help us, help us, Lord, to live lives of prayer. May we live constantly in relationship with you. And we know, O oh God, that you are constantly in relationship with us. But, but so often, we, we aren't always living in that truth. We, we aren't always aware of it. We're not thinking of it. We're not walking consciously with you at our side or before us or behind us. Like St. Patrick said, Lord, help us. Help us to have the courage to live a gospel life. A life full of love for you and for ourselves and our neighbors and for this world. And help us to do so by helping us to pray. Helping us to live in relationship with you. Lord, may we be encouraged and strengthened as we go forth in this week. May we walk and talk with you in whatever gardens you bring us to and in whatever valleys we face. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.